What is up, Reset family? This is Victor, your host, speaking. I was in the studio with Pastor Rob and Meg today, and let me tell you, we had an outstanding time recording this episode for you. So, as always, we want to say thank you for being you, and thank you for listening, and we hope that you enjoy. All right, guys, let's go ahead and dive in. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another Reset 101 episode. My name is Victor. We've got Meg. Hey guys. And we got Pastor Rob as well. Hey friends. <laughs> okay, so uh, we're going ahead and jumping back into our journeying with Jesus 40-day Lent study. Uh, Meg, will you please be so kind to take it away? Yeah, uh, so this is our second week of doing the study. So this will be our second recap. We're going to look at days... 5 through 10, um, which in the scriptures will go through Matthew 26, verse 26 through 46. Um, that was a lot of sixes. Didn't like that. Um, <laughs> too many for my liking. Um, but we'll cover three stories, but they're broken up into different parts. Um, so, Robert, do you want to start us off with day five? Yeah, day five. Uh... We're looking at uh, Matthew and Matthew 26. It begins talking about, uh, well, they're in the Passover meal and Jesus is talking about um, taking the bread and, and, and giving a new symbolism that this is the, um, you know, this is my body. It's really the, almost the exact liturgy that you would hear in, in our communion services. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's where we get that from. Uh, you start reading it and you go, wow, this is w- what we do. Um, and I think that some of the things that, that struck me from the devotion was how Jesus here is heading toward his death, is heading heading toward that sacrificial moment, and he's giving thanks. <laughs> he's being thankful. I know. What? <laughs> yeah, and, and give thankfulness. You know, in our culture, our, I, I believe most of our, I know mine, most of the time, my gratitude depends on the outcome. Mm-hmm. And for a biblical sense of gratitude, it's not that at all. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that it's thankfulness not dependent on the outcomes. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a whole different way of living. Yeah. It makes me think of, I wish I could remember it, and it, this might be the title of it, but there's a worship song that the like main verse is, I'll praise before the breakthrough. So like just having that heart of gratitude and praise. Like, I mean, this is the night before he gets crucified. Mm-hmm. Like, And there wasn't going to be a breakthrough for him. Like, He knew what his fate was, and still he chose to model that thankfulness and that posture of praise to the disciples. And they, I mean, they never knew, like, he said it a million times, like, he alluded to his death so often, and the disciples were like, oh, you're not leaving us, you know? Like, they didn't they didn't even understand that until he went to the cross, but for him to be able to sit and be thankful in the midst of that was, I'm just, I mean, that's how we are supposed to be, but... How often are we actually like that? It is really powerful to think about the first communion, isn't it? I mean, like you just said, like the 
the day before you're going to be crucified and you're in the garden and you're just, hey man, you know what? Just thank you. You know, I know you have a plan and, and I just thank you for uh, being one with me and I am giving myself up to you and, uh, and I know this is, is the right thing, but it's the hard thing. But it's like, it's mind boggling. I almost said mind boggling. It's mind boggling. <laughs> yeah, it, it really, really is. You know, and and, uh, and they touched a little bit on us wanting to work for our salvation. Um, you know, um, and, and it reminded me, um, being a Methodist pastor, I, I got to throw in John Wesley from time to time. <laughs> John Wesley really felt like he had to earn his salvation. Really? You know, yeah, he, in his early ministry and in his writings. And then he just went, you know... Uh, had that had that moment of realizing that there was nothing he could do to earn it. Mm-hmm. That it was just God's grace, you know. And and man, and so when we do communion, I mean, right. instead of I think in the devotional, I loved how he said when he was an eight-year-old kid. <laughs> he was like, oh, it's going to be a longer service. I know, yeah. uh, pastors think that sometimes too. Know, <laughs> we get yeah. in there, oh, it's a communion. It's going to be a bit. <laughs> but yet, how much is wrapped up in that meal. Right. You know, for us. And to really use it as a time to to be thankful for everything and to reflect on what Jesus has done for us. Yeah, man. Really reading it. I, it's so simple, but it really did open my eyes. Like, yeah, man, I, I mean, I should look at communion just a little bit differently. I mean, we all look at it as, okay, it's my soul being renewed. You know, it's a traditional thing. We do it every, you know, we do it once a month. You know, this is, you know, you, we used to do it once a month. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, l- looking at it, looking at it as what it actually is being so powerful. I mean, the whole, that's the point of the devotional. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Matt, do you want to shift us to day six? Um, Yes, I do. I had one note. So the day five, no, you're fine. Um, Day five also covered verse 30, which is the start of the story of Peter's denial or Jesus foretelling Mm. Peter's denial. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is actually still part of the Passover meal. They go out from the meal and they sing a hymn, which was part of the Passover tradition. Um, and the hymn was actually it, the halal or halal. I probably butchered that pronunciation. Um, I, I think the second one is closest, halal. Halal. But uh, I could be wrong too. <laughs> but it is the hymn is found in Psalm one sixteen through one eighteen, which is all about the love of the Lord, um, and it talks about the steadfast love of the Lord, and just that I don't think that we often think of Jesus as going out and like singing, but the night before his crucifixion, he went out with the disciples and they sung hymns to the Lord, um, which was part of the Passover tradition. So it was not any different um, than what they were used to. But just to think of even like he gave thanks in that meal, but after that they went out and he sung actual praises to the Lord, even in the midst of like knowing what was next for him, um, which was just, a cool thing that I don't think I've ever noted or thought about. Um, yeah, what a powerful moment because if, if you remember when Paul was in prison, 
what did he do? He sang hymns. Mm-hmm. So that's a part of their culture. So for us, maybe when we are in those stressful moments and heading toward those times, maybe singing those praise songs that we know so well can, mm-hmm. can help center us into a better place. Yeah. Um, so we'll move on to day six, <laughs> now that I just threw that note in there. No, um, that's good. But day six is Matthew 31 through 35, which is Jesus foretelling the denial of Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks about how, um, he says, It's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Um, and that too... All throughout Isaiah, they talk about the Lord as, like, the servant and the shepherd, and they never mention Jesus, but it's alluding to Jesus. Um, And so when he says, I will strike the shepherd, like, he is, again, just continually, like, telling these disciples, like, this is what's about to happen to me. Um, And so he's telling them, like, when I go to that cross, y'all will scatter. Like, you will run away. You will deny that you know who I am. It is written that way, and I'm telling you that's what's going to happen. And Peter's like, I'm not going to deny you. Like, <laughs> he's like, I'm your most loyal friend. Like, I'm not going to leave you. Um, and all of, dis- all of the disciples are like, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to leave you either. Um, but just even, like, in the midst of that, he's like, I'm telling you. He's like, I'm just, I'm telling y'all what's going to happen, and you're not listening to me. Um, and I, again, like, like last week of thinking of like being Judas in that moment, like being the disciples in that moment and being like, we've, I mean, we've been by your side this whole time. Like you came, you called us from what our professions were before we dropped everything and we followed you. Like, why would we leave you at this moment? So just, I don't know, even, even the most loyal friends of Jesus scattered. I love how they started the devotional with good old Peter. (laughs) (laughs) He had such enthusiasm. Okay, if if we all had our like spirit disciple, would Joe not be Peter? Hundred <laughs> percent. There's no 100%. way. I am never ever gonna. <laughs> well, Joe. <laughs> Yikes. You might. <laughs> you might. And probably will. Mm-mm-mm. Okay, so I have like a question to pose. It's not really a question, I guess. An observation. Maybe both. Um, so this, what it says here, the, the, the fallacy of self-assuredness of Peter, right? How he says, yeah, Lord, I'm, I'm, I, I, they might forsake you, but I'm standing by your side. You know, I'm holding tight. I got you. Got you, dog. Is that like, uh, you know, is that him, is that him like holding on to pride in a sense, do you think? Or am I reading that wrong? You know, is that him holding on to his pride of like, hey, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a good disciple. You know, I got you. Like, I, instead of not heeding Jesus' words, you know. Yeah, I don't know. My my gut reaction is that it's more enthusiasm mm-hmm. and more than, than 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 pride, but probably a little bit of pride. Peter. Well, I actually, Paul, I think, probably got the most pride, <laughs> but but Peter, uh, yeah. I think I would fall under enthusiasm. That's where I'd lie, but okay. But that's a great point. Great point. I think too, and I think the well, obviously the devotional does hit on it. Of he did rely more on like his own will mm. to be faithful to the Lord than, or like to be faithful to Jesus than allowing 
the Lord to give him that spirit to be faithful. Like, he was relying on his flesh mm-hmm. and not on the Lord. So, like, um, there probably was an element of pride there. Yeah. But, too, like, yeah. I don't think he even wanted to think that he yeah. would leave him. Yeah, and pride, you think of Peter going out of the boat onto the water. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he had definitely had that pride streak in him for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I love how the devotion for, for, for day six touched on how it's okay to be vulnerable. You know, we, we tend, especially in our culture, in their culture as well, we looked at vulnerability as a as a weakness. And it's really not. Yeah. To be able to say, I need help. Uh, I, I need guidance. You know, that's really a strength, not a weakness. When people view vulnerability, like uh, when you get up and preach to people, or you get up on stage somewhere, or you you know, mm. they usually view it more at less less as oh yeah you're embarrassing yourself and more as well that's a, that is a strength that's well wow, that that's um that's impressive someone's getting up there and actually being vulnerable so that's a good point you're right yeah, yeah. day seven day seven day seven um so day seven through ten we find ourselves in the garden with Jesus um and. If you're not familiar with the garden, um, that is where, that is the last place before Jesus goes to the cross, before they come and arrest him. Um, And it's the place where he is just begging and pleading with the Father for there to be some other way. Um, And so day seven, we look at the first couple of verses, um, the first three verses. Uh, 36 through 38 um and it is where he is like he's pleading to the disciples like i am i am troubled i am sorrowful please come sit and pray with me um and in the devotional that talks about um like jesus was burdened he went to his closest people and shared that burden with him and that's modeled so beautifully for us and it says um in Galatians, like we're called to bear one another's burdens together. Um, and like how beautifully is that modeled by Jesus there in the garden of like, I am sorrowful and I am troubled and I'm sharing that with y'all. Um, yeah. And the, in the devotional, uh, um, and I think devotionals, uh, I think this devotion so far has done a great job. Um, and, but I also think we need to also read with a critical uh, ear and eye as well. Because um, I took one exception, and, and I, I'm sure if the author and I was here, we, we're all on the same page. But he said, it's not like the God of the universe needed them. And I'm like, no, Jesus came as fully human. Right. Is he human or divine or both? I think he needed them. And, and I think that it is arrogant of us to say we can do it alone mm-hmm. if Jesus didn't do it alone. Right. You know, um, now I'm sure that anyway, but I was just thinking, no, man, that's not right. He he needed them. That's what it seems like to me. I mean, and, and you, find, you yeah. can find meaning, like you're saying, in like his final hours, you can find meaning in things. Like how, you know, there's a, you, 
can't you sh- shouldn't worship alone you know you should worship with the church and the church doesn't necessarily mean you worship in the building that is the church the church is the people right it's your yeah. people the people of god and like this is a perfect example of that you know yeah you're not supposed to do it alone yeah bring your closest yeah. ones with you this uh this part of the garden could be our life groups mission statement scripture mission <laughs> statement come and pray with me come and be with me in my hardest moments mm-hmm. i mean that's what the life groups are all about is for us to be together and share with each other and pray with each other and help each other mm-hmm. so. don't do it alone don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. Jesus didn't do it alone. Neither should you. That should be our life group bumper sticker. <laughs> That's good. Alrighty. Um, I don't know. What do you think? So that was good for day seven. What do you think, Meg? Yeah. I mean, I think seven through ten kind of all go mm-hmm. together. Um, so we can just kind of clump them and talk about them. I'm really glad they did it in three days, though, because they're so oh, there's heavy. so much in this passage. Um, I also, when I was looking over it, um, so the it's the garden in Gethsemane, which in the original text, Gethsemane means olive press. So even the name of the place that Jesus chose to go and pray with his disciples is significant because he comes to pray in a place that means the pressing and the crushing of olives. And he was about to be crushed for our sins mm. on the cross. Um, and... I don't know. I just thought I always love to like look back and see the deeper meaning of the words that they use. Um, so I just thought that was interesting. But we keep going through this passage, um, and Jesus goes and prays the same prayer three times. Um, but before he even gets to like the point of prayer, he falls on his face. Like he is so sorrowful and so troubled. And pleading with the Lord that his posture is literally full surrender face to the ground. Um, and I think even just like his posture that they describe is so significant of like, it is not of my will. Like I am giving fully to you, God, like body and spirit. Mm-hmm. And I don't want this. Like he, he is like, please let this cup pass from me. But if not, your will be done. Like, he understood that this was his fate and still was like, is there any other way? And I think even, like, there's there's just so much that we can see in this passage. And, like, I am so grateful that they did break it down because it's so much to cover in one day. Um, but I, I always love to focus on the cup. And I think there's so much symbolism in the cup and the fact that that's the word that they chose to use is crazy and just like a cup. We couldn't have said let the wrath or the judgment pass, but the cup. cup. And that's because throughout the Bible, the cup is the symbol of wrath. Um, And I also love that that is (laughs) the word that he chose to use in speaking of the Lord's Supper of he took the cup and he's just still just continually alluding to the cross of like, this is what I am giving you. I'm giving you my blood to cover for your sins and the sins of all people forever. And I want you to remember it. It just is, 
uh, the cup. So much symbolism in such a small thing. Mm. Yeah, this 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 part is is really really heavy. Oh yeah. You know, um, I, I think we've we the church has glorified the cross a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it was a brutal place. Yeah. And you know, people say, did Jesus want to go? Not according to these scriptures. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. well, no, please let it. But then there's that obedience part. You, you know, I, I think love in the Bible can mean lots of many different things. Uh, you know, our language is so limited in so many ways. But also love in the Bible can be defined as obedience. We love God when we do what God says. And now, God still loves us when we don't. But we show our love for God by doing by being obedient by doing what he says we show our love to our friends our parents or our teachers Mm -hmm. by doing the things that we say we'll do and they ask us to do Mm -hmm. you know and that's so much a part of love and and how i wrote this down i can't remember if i wrote it down off of the devotion or if i had this thought but how can we do what we know we should when we really don't want to do it (laughs) how do you do that that's just love. Yeah. How do you how do you do what you know you you should when you don't want to do it? You know. That mm. I have been looking, studying a lot of obedience because that is my high school retreat talk. It's talking about obedience <laughs> and willingness and preparedness. Yeah. Um, and how do you not look at the journey of Jesus to the cross when talking about that? But in the definition of obedience, it's driven by reverence and a respect and a love for the authority. Um, and I think too of knowing, having God at his rightful place as authority and us being under that authority should drive us to obedience solely because like he is the authority. But if you look at the entire story of the Bible and how it's driven from love, from his love for us, his love for his son, from start to finish, that too should drive us to obedience. But then of just respecting and having that reverence of we are nothing in comparison to you and like you love us and give us everything we need for the pursuit of holiness and righteousness to get back to you. And like obedience should be our daily posture. Um, But I, when I was studying these verses in the garden, um, like death wasn't what Jesus was fearing in that moment, but the wrath and the judgment of God, because like the struggling and the suffering that he went through, we will never understand because he was that place. Like we may fear death but we don't have to fear the eternal judgment and wrath because of the sacrifice that Jesus took. So like he is in anguish and not wanting to do this, not because he fears death because he knows that like that is what he needs to be obedient to, but his father's going to turn his face on him because that is the only way. And 
in reading this more, like, obviously God has control of all things, and the Bible tells us that, and we know that, and so you think, like, well, why couldn't there have been another way? Like, why couldn't God have changed his mind or said, oh, no, there's another, we could do this another way, but God can't contradict himself, and he can't go against himself, and he knew, like, there is no other way to atone for all sins of all humanity other than the perfect, blameless son. Right. And he's like, there is, I mean, there's no other way. I can't do it. But mm. once you have taken all of the sin, I can't look at you. Like, my presence cannot be in the presence of you. And so when he took on all of the wrath, the father turned his face on him. Like, I just... I couldn't, none of us could imagine because it's not something we have to face because of the grace of God and because of the sacrifice that Jesus made. But like, that is why he is as sorrowful and as troubled as he is, as he knows what's coming. And he's like, there's, oh, there's no other way. I have to do it. Mm. I have to be obedient. And it, mm. I think the, the most interesting part that I like gained from learning about this is like, he just, he yields himself to death after he has faced the wrath and the suffering like that was that was the pain that was the punishment and the submission was just to death (laughs) okay i haven't fleshed this thought out in my brain i just had it just now as you were talking um so this may be totally dumb but do you think you know jesus was a student of the old testament scriptures yeah do you think in the back of his mind he had abraham and Isaac's story going on. Do you think that let this cut pass for me? You think at some point he's like, because you know, the Abraham Isaac story, uh, Abraham mm-hmm. was going to kill Isaac as yeah. a sacrifice. And at the very last second, God said, you don't have to do that. Yeah. So he's like, Hey but, man, but yeah, maybe. I think maybe, but you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. Just kind of, as you were talking, I was thinking about the anguish and you think, or is he yeah. going, Okay, is there some other way? Is there some right. other way? Is Have I proven something to you through devoting this time to you and saying, hey, I'm willing, but... But in order for yeah. humanity to have full relationship going through yeah. that, gosh. Well, and I think, I mean, how can he not have thought had that thought on his mind? But I think he yeah. even would have thought, like, God gave him that additional sacrifice because that wasn't the son that was supposed to be sacrificed. Mm, yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. that yeah, story even there is supposed to point us to the cross. Yeah. Of like, it really does. What's it's coming. Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac that, that, and Abraham was this man of God. And he's like, I was devoted to you. So you so gave me the son. God and that stepped into that him. role of Abraham. Yeah. Oh, geez. That's, Okay. <laughs> yeah. Going down a road that I need to think Inception. more before it speak. <laughs> well, that next part, when he comes out of that and then he goes and he finds, you know, verse 40, he finds them sleeping. Uh, that had to have been incredibly frustrating for him. It, I can go, imagine. Couldn't you just stay awake for an hour? Yeah. Couldn't you just be there? But, of course, Jesus, in true fashion, just goes on, watch and pray, so you will not fail, fall into temptation. Mm-hmm. The Spirit is willing, Peter, <laughs> but the flesh is weak. I think even in those words, like, he was speaking 
to himself and to the father of like, and I think too that illustrates Jesus's holiness and how he is part God, but also his humanity and he's part human and flesh of Mm -hmm. like my spirit is your spirit is with me and the spirit is willing, but the part of me that is human, the part of me that is flesh is weak in this. Mm -hmm. And that is where the struggle is. Yeah. I think we can relate to that statement. Yeah. A I mean, lot. <laughs> after every discovery or fall retreat or, or and, and I'm not going to say his name, but on Costa Rica one year, because I don't have permission to say his name. Okay. We, we were, we were, he said it in front of everybody. He said, he said, I come on these things and I know how I have to live, but I know when I get home, I'm not going to do it. That's everybody's struggle, isn't it? The spirit's willing. I want to do it. <laughs> but the flesh is weak. And it's just, it's a constant battle. We're always in that battle of doing the next thing right. Does that make sense? The next thing. Yeah, like, I just messed up. But the next thing, I'm going to try and get it right. Right. Yeah. You know. Well, right. I think, ultimately... And it's so funny because this is just everything that I've been studying for the high school retreat. <laughs> Daily, well, we know that the battle over the grave has been won. Like, we're talking about the process of getting there. Like, Jesus has won over death. Victory is ours. But daily, there is a battle within each of us against our flesh. Like, daily, we have to wake up and choose to pursue righteousness because the enemy is crafty, says it in Genesis. Mm-hmm. Like, the enemy is crafty. He will try daily to make you fall away from the Lord. But we are called to wake up ready to fight for righteousness every day. And we can't do that on our own. We know that. Like, we are called to and have to, if we want to win that battle, bring the Lord into it. But the flesh is weak. And we are in fleshly bodies. And we cannot do it on our own, but we do have the spirit inside of us that's willing. And so daily we have to engage in that battle and like having that mind, not having that mindset is dangerous of like just waking up daily and going, oh, well, that's, I'm saved, you know? Right. But it is a continual refining process and daily you have to go through the battle. Daily we battle with sin. That's, we're human, you know, like that's what we're going to struggle with until we Go to be with the Lord because we're not righteous. But by the grace of God and by Jesus' sacrifice, we have the capability to convene with God daily and go, I need help. I cannot do this. My flesh is weak. Meg, I think you should have your own time on the 700 Club. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what that is, the 700 Club? Yes. (laughs) It's uh, it's, It's like CNN, but for... All things Jesus. Yes. Yes. We don't recommend the seven. <laughs> by the way. And, and then the day 10, he went away a second time and prayed. And he once again said, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Mm-hmm. He came back and found him sleeping again. Yeah. Come on, guys. But this time he let him sleep. So he left and went away once more and prayed. Again. Again. And I think that just 
to me, it just shows how persistent Persistent. we need to be in our prayer. And I think they used that word, didn't they? Persistence. That's literally what it speaks. Yeah. 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 Uh, Perhaps it was to show us that we need to be persistent in prayer till we experience the rest that only he can give. You know, how persistent are we in prayer? Man, that's so tough. Right, it's not just a one and done thing, you know. Right. Well, your whole faith journey is not just a one and done thing. It's a devotion. It's a devotion to Christ, you know. It's a daily thing, mm. right? So, yeah, I mean, and I don't think Jesus, well, I, none of us think Jesus was going and praying for, you know, second, third time and with all this anguish. I don't think he, he wasn't doing it simply to prove an example, but he was literally doing it, as they said, to to find the rest that only the Lord can give you by continually asking and continually going and going and asking and for forgiveness or whether it be, you know, guidance or whatever it may be until you, you know, find that comfortability that he can give you. But he can't, you can't find it unless you search for it, right? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's uh, a lot. <laughs> a lot. It? One more time, tell me how to say the, the name of the garden. Gethsemane. 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 We need a garden here. Well, we do have Prayer Mountain, you know, a place that you can go and pray and a place that you can get away. I still need to go up there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, different settings can really help having a place to go and pray, you know. Mm-hmm. So people do prayer retreats and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, not up there, but well, yeah, no, uh, not up there. But yeah, but people do prayer <laughs> retreats. Right. Don't don't go up on Prayer Mountain and spend the night. That's what we're saying. Right? <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> the sheriff will come and get you. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, so we covered um, five through ten today. Um, yeah. Uh, so how many will we have next week? Uh, seven again? Is that right? There's or no? Six. No, six. Six days six. in a week? Six yes. days in a week. Yeah. What <laughs> am I doing? Yeah. Six. Seven, five, seven. Four. We're going to do eight days <laughs> yeah. next week. <laughs> All right. Well, join us next week for uh, our the next time we dive into our Lent devotional. All right, guys. It's been good talking to you. Bye-bye. See ya. Hey everybody, quick announcement before you go. If you want to follow along with us during our Lent study, you can. All you have to do is download the Bible app and go to the lesson titled Journeying with Jesus. If you don't want to download that app, that's okay. You can find a link to the lesson on our website at asburyreset.org or you can go to Instagram and see as we post every single week for our Lent study on our Instagram page, Asbury Reset. Alrighty guys, thank you so much. See ya.